Boom! What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. Very excited to be talking about a sustainable and fulfilling way of life. We have Ari Nazem joining us on the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks for doing? coming on. Of course. Really, really happy to be here. Yes. Yeah, super pumped. Super pumped. Very grateful that we met at Jun Yoon's event yes. just this last weekend. Very grateful for him and his thought leadership and bringing people like Absolutely. you know us together to continue Absolutely. interacting and and just even got to give the man the the shout out you know interdependent capitalism such such a good book such a good book guys check it out junior such a such a thought leader um, in so many so many regards so is ari i'm very excited to be talking to ari about this subject for those that don't know the background ari went to nueva high school mm -hmm. um, nueva school that is in hillsborough mm -hmm. right in the bay area and then he started a house system there, a cross-grade house system. We'll be talking about that. He then made Swap. He made, started Orion Creative. He did some work with Carnegie Mellon, with Neosensory. And then he is now working on the Pantheon, which we're going to be unpacking in detail. And we'll be talking about a lot regarding building solutions for renegotiating our relationship with technology and with each other. Mm -hmm. And this is great because Ari is 19. Mm -hmm. He is a symbolic systems uh, major at Stanford, sophomore. Uh, freshman. Yeah. freshman. Freshman, freshman, freshman. And let's jump into this from this big history perspective. So, you know, we find ourselves as stewards of Earth now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of complications with, you know, 8 billion people, exponential technology. So what is your current synthesis on the state of humanity? Yeah, I think um, what's happening right now is really, really interesting, especially from kind of a young person's perspective and seeing kind of how technology is influencing my generation and the generations um, a little bit younger than me, which I say generations because um, I think there's some research going on at Stanford that we, we were actually talking about this earlier is that um, it's looking like, you know, whereas a generation used to maybe be 20 years or uh, around that time frame, now it can get down to two or three years because the rate of technology is going so fast that you're actually seeing these huge generational gaps between, you know, me and you, seven year difference, or me and my sister, a two year difference, um, radically different in the way that we use technology or even interact with each other. Um, and so that, that's, I think, this really interesting landscape we're now in where you have these micro generations, you know, every two, three years you have kind of a whole different group of people, um, but being served by the same education system, by the same kind of ways of living, right? Um, one of the things I think we'll talk a bit about is kind of how the built environment stays the same. It's, it's really hard to change the built environment. You know, we'd have to get in here with sledgehammers really to make any of this stuff move around. But um, technology is blasting off, right? It's on this exponential curve. And then kind of caught in the middle uh, is culture. Right, it's, it's culture kind of trying to trying to um, anchor itself between these two forces, and it's really getting pulled apart. And so that's, well, that's I think an interesting visual. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so we got this physical world that we live in, and then the right. digital world is way easier, malleable, right. manipulable. Right. And then we're stuck in the culture, which is kind of being like, "What is going on?" Right. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting how how those are kind of. In, in play with each other, right? Because you have um, technology, which I think is kind of the frame that everything is kind of happening in, right? You know, um, by, and by technology, I don't mean like, I mean, of, of course I mean the iPhone and everything, but I also mean, you know, agricultural evolution as being a technology. A technology being yes. a mix of 
like kind of culture, like a knowledge system with like a physical built environment implement. So the, the know-how of how to farm and then the, the, the hose and the, um, the shovels and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and the plows. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the industrial revolution, the know-how of the assembly line and manufacturing and kind of uh, if this, then that. And then the, the built environment of the factory and the loom and the, yes, you know, yes. the mechanical, um, mechanical implements of that. And now we're having a similar thing where, you know, it's this idea of the connected world and the connected web with the implementation of it in our apps and in our phones and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of the frame, I think, is technology. And then within that, you have the built environment, which is very static. And then you have kind of, like I said, culture in between. And those, those two are really in play a lot because if you see, um, I think in Sapiens, they talk about how the built environment in the medieval ages, uh, a, a lot of the kids would live in these big halls. They'd sleep in the same halls, right, where everyone could see each other. And, and you'd come, all your public life had to be conducted in the town square, right? Or in the, in the market or in the forum or, or whatever that is. And that's because their society is built on reputation, right? It really matters who you are because, you know, there's only a couple thousand people living in these communities. So it really matters, you know, are you going to return that loan? Are you going to be a nice person? Are you going to do these things? Those things really matter in those contexts. There's no um, digital space to go anonymous. Right. Exactly, and that's reflective of, I mean, and they, maybe they had a masquerade day, but that was the one day they were anonymous, and that was, you know, this, this whole thing. That's because their whole society is built on identity, right? It's, yeah, yeah. That's why last names are like William's son, right? Or even in Iran, you know, I think my last name is my great-grandfather's profession, which is just the organizer of the bazaar. It's Nazim, which just means organizer, so they cut off, I guess, the bazaar part, but, um, you know, they just, we just started doing that. Um, and that's kind of around the time period of kind of the Industrial Revolution and stuff like that when it used to be all about who are you, who are you the son of, what have you done, what's your reputation, and now it's all about, you know, parents give their kids their own bedroom with a door they can lock, right? You put up your own posters on the wall, you do your own thing. That's because we have this idea now that, you know, it doesn't matter what the other kids at school say about you. It's, it's you're beautiful for you. It's the individual as opposed to valuing yourself in the community. It's now valuing yourself as the individual, and the built environment reflects that, right? The bedroom yeah, yeah. versus the hall, right? The, yeah. You can go to the grocery store, you don't even have to look at anyone to get your business done. It's not in a town market, right? You don't have to have these relationships with buyers and sellers yourself. It's all kind of abstracted, it's one, one level up, and that's because of the culture, right? The culture is saying we wanna be individual, we wanna be anonymous, we wanna be um, self-contained, as opposed to this is a lot, a lot of this stuff is coming, coming out at once. This stream but, of consciousness is um, yummy. Keep delivering. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of how the built environment and, and culture are playing with each other is um, it, you know, the, the, but the thing is with that is that these changes kind of before used to be happening over hundreds of years or thousands of years, right? The Industrial Revolution even, it was, you know, only 200 years ago, but it still took a while to get there and it, it spread across the world at a pretty slow pace. Now we're kind of having these like micro revolutions um, when someone releases a new app. That's a new format of interacting with other people. When someone releases... 20 years, the genome went from $100 million to sequence to $100. Absolutely. That's a different, that's a revolution right there. And if you're looking at, um, you know, Uber just coming a couple years ago, that's a completely different built environment, right? Yeah. These are, this is a completely different idea of how life should be and will be. Um, and, you know, like with Google subsidiary Sidewalk Labs doing stuff with like moving sidewalks or adapting to different times of the day. I mean, that's stuff that has a profound impact 
um, on on the way we live. And so, I, if, if to answer the question, very long-winded answer to the question, but the question of kind of where do we find ourselves right now? I think where we find ourselves is in is in culture being strained, being pulled by um, a built environment that is is too static for what's happening now. It wasn't too static, you know, back in yeah. 1500s or even 1700s, 1800s. Yeah, maybe yeah. even then it was getting too static. But now, I mean, people are living in the same 50, you know, 1950s floor plans with with iPhones, yeah. and that doesn't work. Because in the 1950s, you want to go hang out with your friends, you go outside, you can do all these things. It doesn't matter that you have kind of this weird isolating room in your house. Um, it doesn't matter that you're in these suburbs, which are these weird enclaves of nuclear families. It doesn't really matter because you go out onto the street to play with your friends. You go into the living room. That's the only place you can find those people, so that's where you go, right? And now we have a world that still looks like that physically, yeah, yeah. but now you can be on your computer and access all of it, so you don't even have to leave. And the implications of that are, there's a ton of health implications, yes. the fact that you're not moving, the fact that you're not getting fresh air, the fact that you're not um, active. The there lack are, of looking at humans in the eyes. Exactly. And, and it, there's huge emotional impacts, right? E human connection, we know, is so much more fulfilling than interacting with static photos on social media or even, um, or even in FaceTime. You know, there's a lot that you can lose even in stuff like that. And how often do you, I mean, some people FaceTime their friends a lot, but you don't FaceTime every person you talk to on the internet. Most of the time it's texting and stuff like this. So the huge drop in empathy that comes with that, especially for kids growing up, talking to their friends online and not building the repertoire in person, and, and you know, also just ment like mental health-wise, being in a room, the same room, every day in a hunched posture, you know, there's a lot of great um, stuff we were talking about, kind of influence from the East. There's a lot of stuff that says, you know, the way your body is, is um, the position you're in, and this is, I mean, Amy Cuddy, right? Yeah. The second most watched TED Talk of all time is about how our bodies kind of influence our mindsets. And if you're hunched over, kind of staring at a screen, closed off, right? That's a big difference from Versus moving around. back and yeah, moving around. Yeah, active, yeah. reaching towards your goals as opposed to clicking towards them, right? Like these, it sounds like, whoa, I'm making a big stretch, but it does make, make a big difference when um, you kind of lose connection with your, with your own body, which does have a much bigger, I think, impact on people's minds. Um, let, me, let me take a synthesis yeah. stat. Yeah. A stat to <laughs> synthesize. Let's see what I can do here. Okay, so... You started us off talking about, this all has to do with time. I, and I, let me see if I can explain how that you have this, first you start off with these micro generations now, right? We're all the way down to this, and the technology scale of things is, is now within just two or three years, uh, a generation of, of this group of two to three years, right. of like 15 to 17 year olds, but then there's the 13 to 15 year olds, how, what tech they're using, et cetera, that that they're using different tech, different ecosystems, and it's all in the digital sphere. Right. There's a physical sphere, the culture's in the middle, there's the pull that's happening, what are we doing, how are we dancing with that? But then in the scale of time, you were explaining how the, just the, the, the skills of, of, of these revolutions, different like a, yeah, yeah, a genome being decreasing in cost like that in 20 years, you, know, you could barely push um, an item uh, across the Silk Road for months. Right. It, it took right. months. Yeah. So right. yeah, this is this is the the scales now are are crazy in comparison. So that seems like to be a, a pressing a theme, yeah. Yeah, theme as time and culture being smashed between the physical yeah. and the digital. 
Yeah, and, and what I mean when I say culture is getting smashed, and I talked a lot about kind of how built environment influences culture, but the, what I mean by culture is getting pulled apart is, um, is what I was talking about with you know, someone in a room alone, and we've seen kind of how anxiety rates have gone up in recent years. Um, I think in the 80s, it was about like 15%, 18% of college students said they had anxiety. Now it's up to 40%, right? Um, you look at in the 1950s, I think it was, you have the average American has three close friends, now they have two, right? Just kind of going down on these metrics that um, I think mean a lot because we feel them. And I think you, yeah. can, you yeah. can look around and, and maybe it's because we're talking about it more and I think that's part of it, right? You can't rule that out. But I think we're also seeing a lot of these kind of mental health crises and, and just um, well-being standards really, really plummeting at the hands of our environments not adapting to the way technology is going and our culture not being able to because it's, it's stuck it's in the stuck. built environment. It's stuck in the built environment. It's also stuck in the biological systems which evolve over much slower time periods than exactly. the digital systems. This is a this is a very, very crucial point. The physical world versus the digital mm -hmm. world and how what's happening in the pulling apart of culture. Yeah. I, I'm really glad you took us there with the big history. That's beautiful. So then now this is cool because then you as at nineteen are seeing this and I think this also has to do with like a testament of like, you know, a strong, strong family, strong upbringing, strong yeah. community Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. And then, you know, doing um, Nueva School, Absolutely. right? These, these things coming together have made your perspective kind of what, it's why it's so strong and multidisciplinary. And you're like, I see all these problems. I'm gonna make like a really powerful uh, like work uh, life and uh, community solution to, right. To, to, to this. Um, pre that, tell us about how everything got started for you with Nueva School. How did, how did you even figure out that that's where you wanted to go? Like, what were you like when you were younger getting into that yeah. realm? Um, so, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from Silicon Valley. My parents immigrated here from Iran. And um, they, they didn't just immigrate themselves. They immigrated with the whole, the whole crew. So my dad's side and my mom's side came. Um, and I was very much, my mom's side lived a lot closer to us, so very much raised kind of in a mini Persian community there with the, my grandma and my aunt and everything. Do you know what year that was, your uh, peeps came over? Um, they came over right before the revolution, so it wasn't, it wasn't because necessarily of the revolution, but I think the water was getting a little bit hot and they came, I think, 75, 76. When the, sh when the Shah was getting, uh, Getting bounced out? Yeah, right before, I think. Okay. They, they just shot over right before, and one of my aunts came over later after the Iranian War, so a little bit of a trickle. I, I was like nine years old when that was happening. Yeah. It was fascinating for me. I don't know why I was taking interest as a nine-year-old, but <laughs> at any rate, uh, it's good to have you with us, you know, yeah. and uh, the... I just want to bring up the, the tensions and the, uh, the global narrative for, for sure. what we should be concerned with. Uh, you know, my brothers and sisters are scattered all over the planet. And uh, I just want to throw that in. Go back to yeah. what you were saying. No, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah, and welcome um, to the United States of America. <laughs> yeah, you meet, you, a lot of the Persian people I think you'll meet in the U.S. Um, are either my age-ish, because they're the kids of the immigrants of that period. So a lot of first-gen kids around my age. Um, and then you also get kind of the parents, and then you also get a lot of PhD students still coming now. Um, but raised kind of with that context in Silicon Valley, and my parents were kind of both on the tech, 
the tech boom um, and def made their livelihoods that way. And so that was a big part of just our context growing up was kind of knowing what was going on and, and my parents having the latest stuff in the house just because that's what they were working on and that's what they needed for their jobs. Um, and especially what um, my dad needed for his because he was working with Yahoo at the time. And that was right on kind of the internet stuff. So that was kind of, you know, the talk in the household is kind of about this stuff growing up. Um, and also just coming from another place in the world, not necessarily seeing it just as an economic thing that's happening, but seeing it in the context of the rest of the world and being told, you know, you're growing up, you know, saying, you know, you come from this, this long history, this long um, line of people from this other place, and that kind of grounding you in the ancient time period or the grounding you in 2,000 years ago and giving you a reason to care about that time period and not just the now. Because I think a lot of people raised in Silicon Valley really care a lot about the now and that's beautiful. Um, and thankfully I was given a little bit of perspective of, well, where do you come from and where are we coming from as a species too? And I think that is definitely intertwined with my Persian heritage because my mom was very, um, very uh, passionate about making sure she transmitted that to us. Um, and that kind of giving us the ancient perspective, but that's the, so important. Oh, yeah, that's so so important. We 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 all Armenian here, and yeah, and absolutely, yeah, very very similar, and and just how blessed it is to be able to um, uh, have a this very interesting um, cross cultural uh, upbringing. Right. Yeah. Because right. then you get those two perspectives of like what is Armenia or Iran like, what is now you're living in the United States, what is that right. like. Um, and then your uh, the second language is also very fascinating for what that does to mm -hmm. to like to development yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, and I think it it makes it so that you kind of have to think about the forces that are acting on you and that you're playing within. Especially as like you know you realize the stuff as you get older, you're just kind of playing with it when you're a kid. But um, you know you realize oh what does it mean um, to be a first generation kid and, and where do my people even come from or I don't even know too much about this country that my parents are from and learning about that and then yes. um, kind of getting stuff in context. So that's, that's definitely one way to ooh, zoom out and, and kind of see where we are is having to think about where do, where do I come from myself um, is a great way to start with that. Um, so I went to a Catholic school until about fourth grade right next to my, my house. I was like five minutes away and we were not Catholic. Um, which, which was an interesting dynamic yeah, when yeah. we were there because I think, you know, even today I'm probably one of the, like, 20 of the kids from my grade that can grow a beard or, you know, like, just very few <laughs> number of people that looked like me at that school. And so in that environment, I definitely hung on to that, I think, that fact that I think Persians are considered Caucasians or something. So I leaned really hard into that and I was like, well, you know, I'm not Arab, I'm like, whatever, I'm, I'm Caucasian, right? Persians are Caucasians, I'm one of you guys. So I definitely- yeah, <laughs> One of you guys? Did I just hear you well, say that? Yeah, that's I, right. I, Be I careful <laughs> with being one of us guys. You know, all of them have been infiltrated. Nobody holds a monopoly on ignorance in this planet. Yeah, so, I, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Um, but yeah, just being in a context that's very different from kind of the, the context I was raised in and trying to kind of conform to that. And that is being kind of a, a social thing, but, but from an academic perspective, the way they were teaching wasn't really resonating with me. And my mom um, had always said, you know, education is, or school is part of your education and, and not necessarily all of it, right? So she Life would- Lifelong learner, baby. That's the goal, learning. right? Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And so she had us doing a lot of stuff over the summers and learning kind of, 
ahead of time. And so I was sitting in like my third grade class. And um, this is a story a lot of Nueva kids actually talk about. Um, but you'll be sitting there and, you know, you, you finish the cursive or whatever it is. And you say, okay, can I do the next thing? And they say, well, you got to wait for the class to catch up. Um, and you're like, oh, okay. And you wait. And I told my mom that. And she was like, all right, it's time to look at somewhere that lets you go at your own pace. pace. And it was amazing because we, we found Nueva and I went there. And I was, you know, the dumbest kid in the room right off the bat. And Which you experienced again at Stanford later. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and like what I experienced when I moved to Silicon Valley. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think it was great actually coming to Nueva before Stanford because I was already used to that. And I think when you get, um, get into an environment like that as a kid, you see it as, as really great. You know, you're like, oh, this kid knows all this stuff about something else. This kid knows all this. You don't really have the ego yet yes. or the, the sense of self yet to be like, oh, I'm, I suck because this guy's great. You're like, oh, this guy's really great. I'm not that great, but this guy's really, really, really awesome. And there were a lot, a lot of um, boys and girls at Nueva who were, who were like that. And These are like little local maximums of, of knowledge. Definitely. And so you can jump to a, a higher local maximum <laughs> of knowledge, which you want to do throughout your life. Definitely. Um, to, to continue yummy, yummy. Right, the, the, <laughs> right, the, the knowledge, the yeah. Knowledge, yeah. Um, and Nueva, Nueva, the setting of Nueva, it's this like 33 acres of forest, the, the lower and middle school are, 33 acres of forest up in Burlingame. Um, and hands-on learning, it's based a lot on the principles of design thinking um, and on uh, project-based learning. So a lot of times, you know, the final project like wouldn't be an essay or wouldn't be something like that. It'd be like, okay, how do you want to represent what you learned in this? Um, and it was, it, it was really fantastic for me. I think for some of the kids there, especially it happened, I think, more in the high school, but because in the middle school, it was a smaller class size. It was only like 50, 55 kids in, in my grade, and even maybe like 30 before sixth grade. With so, how many teachers? Um, with, it was a really high ratio of students like, to teachers. Oh. I think for, for our, in fourth grade, I remember when I came in, we had four teachers for the 30 30 oh, kids. That's so cool. So a, a bunch, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and really, like, yeah. really great attention from the teachers and stuff like that. It's Bloom Two Sigma is so damn true that one-on-one -on -one mentorship just rockets kids out multiple two standard deviations. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got gotta get that one-on-one -on -one mentorship. More. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like there was there was a lot of that, and a lot of teachers that took special interest in kids that they saw going in certain directions, and you know, like. There were certain math classes, but we had some kids that were just off with one guy <laughs> doing something in the library because he was on a whole other level, level or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, little Johnny's. shout out to you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, yeah, on a whole other level, and yeah. their skill set is being fostered. Absolutely, that's so critical. Their feedback is you know instantaneous. Like oh whoa, they're advancing fast. Give them more. Give right. them, you know where are they going? Where's their interest? You see yeah. some of the, and you know, some of these kids were just unbelievable. Like I came there um, from a very kind of, a, a really wonderful, safe place. I think that the school I went to was really great. But I, I come into this place and kids are in the forts, you know, we, that's what we called the forest. Right? You know, yeah, kids forts. are in the forts running around and this one kid had made a whole economy based on the fertilizer crystals you'd find in the ground. And if you found more, he would devalue the price and all this stuff. I mean, and, I mean that, that, that kid's crazy. Um, 
and just like really, really impressive stuff. Some people had like mining companies where they go, you know, dig up like tree tree bark and ground it up to make like henna. It wasn't real henna, but they called it that. Mm -hmm. Or people would build these really, really beautiful forts and everything. And it was just a very magical place to be and a lot of a lot of space to play and a lot of space to like get dirty and that acreage hands on. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Which I think is really important, especially we were talking about you know the physical yes, yes. the physical stuff and yes. um, kids interacting in the physical world and building stuff with their hands, not just with the keys. Um, and so that was a really, really wonderful experience growing up there. So I was there fourth grade, fifth grade, and then sixth grade. The middle school, it, it's very similar to the lower school. We still went down to the forward, still did our stuff. Um, and really started getting interested in design there. Um, I had been interested in art. I had always been drawing and sketching everywhere, mm -hmm. um, you know, on little notebooks and little, um, uh, the hotel, you know, by the phone, they always have that little notepad, and yeah, we yeah. traveled a lot as a kid, and, and that's a, and definitely a big part of my growth, too. Um, what about graffiti? Did you tag anything along the way? A little, <laughs> no, any of that? No, I, no? I, the, first, the first introduction I had to graffiti was in, in the high school. They, had, high a, school, they right. had a class on graffiti in this two week period called intercession when you get back from winter break that they, they had this thing on graffiti, and I took it. We didn't like tag anything for real, but yeah, yeah. it was cool that they had that. Where'd course. you travel to? We, so my, that, that was actually probably besides kind of Nueva and the learning environment fostered there, um, we went to 106 countries. Oh my goodness. From when I was a kid until I was 15. Oh It's kind of when we slowed down. Oh my goodness. Um, and that was kind of really. Damn. My parents. Sometimes only like a day or something in each or two or three. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the shortest we'd ever do is like three days, three days. like two or three days. Yeah, Whoa. and the longest would, you know, be like a week or two weeks or something. 100 um, plus. Yeah, 106, yeah. which is just ridiculous. Like even thinking back on it, you know, um, some of the places like blur or you have to really go back, back and, and figure it out. It. But I'm really happy the way my mom did it. And I've only really realized this as I got, got so older. Um, shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. Yeah. Love you very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moms always give like that, and then later you realize how much family has given. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so she would have us like we didn't really know why, but she'd have us look at the Wikipedia pages and look at like the GDP and the PPP and the uh, the you know GDP per capita PPP and um, and per capita. I said that uh, and like the Gini index and the HC HDI like the human development index um, and Gini's for inequality That's and she'd have so us do cool. all this other stuff yeah. and look at like That's the great. major imports and exports and their neighbors. That's and great. She really I think wanted to get at, get at like kind of the the axioms like the the things that happen over and over and over again as you look around the world like she'd always say neighbors hate each other because they've always had conflicts over the years. Um, over so that border, over religion. Over the border, yeah, over religion. Yeah. So we saw that all throughout the travels. You know, you'd go to one country, you'd go to the other country, and they'd be roasting each other. You know, yeah, the tour guides yeah, would just be sending shots, shots at each other, <laughs> um, basically, yeah, yeah. each place we went. Um, and it was, it was really cool. She'd kind of have these, these themes that we'd explore over time. One of the themes, very, very morbid theme, but she had us explore genocide a lot. She wanted yeah, us to yeah, really yeah. understand that. And so we, I think we've been to pretty much the sites of all, most of the major genocides. We went to Armenia, went to Auschwitz, you know, went to, um, uh, in Cambodia, yeah. you know, we went to Rwanda, we went to Kigali. And Damn. it's not morbid. We're getting ready to normalize that shit. Another day in genocide. Don't worry about it. I know. I mean, it's hang on. The quote's another day in paradise. <laughs> yeah, another day in paradise. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. And I think that was a, 
unreal experience too because there's like the the 10 step framework for genocide so like the first couple steps are about like dehumanizing yes, otherizing yes, us yes, and yes. them which is happening yeah, sounds which is happening now. Yeah, all man. just a little bit of history repeating it's all good hey what are you gonna do <laughs> eat drink and be merry you're a good kid ari keep up the good work <laughs> We're all counting on you. Um, This is so crucial that mom did this. Yeah. Family exposing young uh, children to, to... to, to travel and then to, you know, import, export, GDP, Ginny. Yeah. This is so crucial. Um, it, it really gives the true picture of how things are happening around Absolutely. the world outside of the little bedroom. Right, right, outside the little bedroom. And, you know, I think there's one way to do travel, which is sunscreen on your nose and hitting all the best, like, Instagram photo spots, which is now kind of a more common thing. And there's the other way, um, which is a little bit deeper. And, you know, I won't, like, lie and say, we, you know, we didn't go sightseeing and we didn't go to the touristy spots and we didn't take the pictures, because um, we did. You know, and, and some of the reflections I've done as I've gotten older, like, we, we went to 14 countries on the African continent yeah. and kind of understanding some of the, you know, the things that, the things that were at play there that I didn't realize as a kid, you know, when you're going yeah. on a safari or yeah. you're doing stuff like that, it's, you know, where's the heritage of that from, yeah. right? Yeah. That's a colonial thing. Yeah. And, um, kind of understanding where some of that comes from and oh wow we're staying at this beautiful resort on the Serengeti you know what does that mean who who's that at the benefit for or at the cost of um, and my roommate in college is from Kenya and not he's from a little bit outside of Nairobi he's from Nakuru which is a little bit um, more west and just living with him and hearing his perspectives on stuff yes. has absolutely kind of rewritten some of the ideas that I had about the travels that we did there and how much I understood what was going on when we were visiting those countries. It's um, so crucial to have friends from around the world that you can have great conversation with, ask questions about their life and their family right. and what was going on in that part of the world. So, so crucial. important. So crucial. You gain a better, more well-rounded perspective of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think travel is huge, um, and it, I think it's something I'm still really interested in. I want to go back to a lot of the places that we went as an adult, um, as you know, being able to go some of the places that were maybe unsafe for us to go as kids, yes, yes. Um, you know, or or with the context that I have now or the understandings that I'm continuing to develop, you know, going back and saying, okay, there are a lot of bullet holes in Sarajevo and Bosnia when yeah, we went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What like I noticed that when I was a kid, but what does that mean and where is that from? Um, and I think as you get older, you, you start to put those things in perspective. But having the data in the back of your head, having yeah, yeah. seen those seen things, it. Yeah. then That's, everything kind of clicks yeah, yeah. When, you're, when you're older. Um, so yeah, yeah, When you're reading travel. the article about the, on Wikipedia about something and then you go, oh my gosh, I saw that. I saw it. Yeah, and then it clicks in a deeper level. You can even experience that rereading a book a couple of years later. Definitely. And, and you'll see that your per- new perspective on the world, you're just like, whoa, I'm absorbing this in a new way. Right, yeah. right. Or, you know, a conclusion that's reached at the end, that when you apply it to the beginning again, it puts everything in a whole new yeah. new yeah. Um, 
yeah. new light, which is interesting. So, okay, so, so Nueva School plus travel, plus travel were two of the big reasons why you are who you are. Yeah, I, I would say. And I think mentorship, like what you were saying, mentorship. the Bloom Bloom 2. Yeah, Bloom 2 Sigma. Bloom 2 yeah, Sigma. So from okay. both parents as well as um, teachers in school. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely a lot of that. Uh, I had a teacher, wonderful, wonderful teacher, Kim Sachs, been a mentor to um, two of my best friends as well. And she saw me running around in the forts, you know, in like fourth grade. And she was like, hey, how about you come over to the, to the, en to the engineering shop, the I they called it the iLab, the engineering, um, engineering lab. And got me in there and started teaching me very hands-on, you know, the design thinking principles, the ideas of user testing and going out. And, and the way that she packaged it, I in mean, it's fourth grade? Yeah, and fifth grade is when we really started doing a lot of stuff, yeah. See, this is another one of those things. This is a really cutting edge school. I mean, if you're not only doing all the outdoor stuff, but um, but you're doing all this uh, user testing and, and design yeah. um, at, at in the fifth grade, I mean, that's really setting you up to think like, Absolutely. oh, look at these things. Why, how, why did people design them this yep. way? How can I design things? Yep, what do we learn from this and that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's wonderful because Stanford is, you know, kind of pioneered some of those approaches and she learned a lot of that from Stanford, her time at Stanford, and it kind of had a connection with the university. So um, she'd take us to the D school there and have us learn from some of the people there. And then when we got older in high school, um, a couple friends and I, we'd actually go back to the D school and help teach workshops That's for great. graduates and stuff like that because they're like, oh, if a kid can do this, then surely I can do this, right? Yeah. Um, and we were like, yeah, it is this easy. You know, we've been doing it since we were kids, um, not because we're, you know, yeah. super geniuses, right? but just because we were taught the framework and given, you know, the, the um, attention from, from someone who was dedicated to help teaching us. Uh, and so that kind of mindset, the design thinking mindset, um, and, you know, a lot of people, like think it's very hand wavy and oh you know applying design thinking to this and I do think it gets overused a little bit you know some people think oh design thinking is the solution to everything I don't think that's necessarily yeah, true yeah, yeah. but in it it does kind of unlock this way of thinking for you that's okay there's a problem instead of thinking about oh I suddenly have the best solution to this problem the first thing I ever thought of is the best solution to this problem you, you have no idea what you're talking about right you got to go talk to the people who are experiencing the problem if the if the problem is happening to you reflecting on it deeply going to um, others who are experiencing the problem or have the need as I call it uh, that's how I feel about the current version one of social media networks that we kind of have um, the 10 15 year incumbents that this is not the aha last call networks we gotta absolutely you know, update the code make these better absolutely is now I, I i know i wanna i wanna hit on so many yeah. other, so so many so much <laughs> more to to talk about yeah so um this design thinking mindset that that you're talking about now it it gave you the and in the travel and everything it kind of gave you the edge to see that you know you wanted to create the housing new housing style this cross grade housing system at Nueva. Yeah, um, so what that, that I started doing that in my junior year um, of, my, of high school. Yep. So learned a lot uh, in, in seventh grade was the first like, so in fifth grade and stuff like that, we were doing design thinking projects. We were you know, interviewing people at Kaiser Permanente and thinking about like medical solutions. Seventh grade. This never ends, this stream of like brilliant things, it's interviewing people at Kaiser Permanente, wow, yeah. Seventh grade was the first time we ever did entrepreneurship. So seventh grade wow. is we yeah. 
they said actually figure out a, a like a product type of idea. So me and one of my friends we thought about um, like a little like it, it was before this video tile. was brought to you by Nueva School. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really great place. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can I, I can tell you um, it is a really great place, and I hope it really does stay to uh, you know maintain. It's, um, it's current way of operation. And I'll say, as a graduate, someone who loves Nueva very deeply, I will say I'm worried about the impact the college process is having on the school. Because with, it used to end in eighth grade, so there was kind of a hard stop. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't really feel the pressure that was coming down from the college system to make kids that looked a certain way or anything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they had a ton of freedom. Yeah. And these kids would, you know, these, these kids are really bright kids. They'd go into high school and they'd adapt to their new high school and then they'd look like a great candidate for college without you know, messing with that like, really nice Nueva experience. And what happened in the high school, and, it, and I think it's still leagues, leagues ahead of, in a lot of the ways it was doing things from other high schools. Give me, a, give me a young person that doesn't have any of their SAT scores uh, or any of that crap, and if they know how to do, do entrepreneurship, they know how to like, interview industry people and build products, if they know how to do that. I mean, if they know how to be in the woods and like make with their hands, I mean, it's game over. It's that game over. person's way better than the SAT. Right, and the problem is, is our high school had to, you know, the first two years, um, I, I'll even push it, I'll say the first year was, there was only us, the freshmen, and then sophomores. And so there was no, still no college pressure. It's when we became sophomores and the sophomores became juniors is that when they started feeling, oh crap, we really gotta start having you know people come in and talk about the college process, start getting SAT scores and stuff like this. Test scores. Yeah. Right, and our first graduating class sent 10 of the 70 kids to Stanford, 10, like one seventh of the grade, and set this bar that that's what our school produces. So it was all happy, you know, running around in the meadow, before, when it was just the middle school. And it was all happy, you know, da 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 Nueva, until we got our first class into college. And then the parents who used to Whoa. be looking at, you know, Casalea, Crystal Spain, all these other schools around here, start saying, oh wait, is Nueva the one that's gonna get our kid into college, right? Oh, and and you that. get this, this pressure. So thankfully we got out, I think, right before the, the worst of it is happening. And, and I mean, I love my school so much, I'm not, I don't know what the effect of this is, but I know that a lot more people are applying now to get into the school. school. And a lot of kids that uh, I think, you know, might learn better in a traditional environment. There are a lot of kids that learn great in a traditional environment, you know? Um, and what, some of the discontent students I found at my school were the students who were like, why, aren't, why can't I know my grade at every time? Why, you know, don't I learn the rules and then get to apply them? Why is it all experiential and kind of, you know, wishy-washy, which is great for me, but not great for other, other kids, kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think Whoa. that's one of the problems is when you don't have that, that bloom too, when you don't have that, um, you know, mentor-student relationship, when it's kind of pre-packaged, you have to be really careful the package you're stepping into because right. you have to make sure it's at least, it's more aligned than the other ones, right? And so I think you, we can get this problem where if a lot of kids come to an environment like this that would actually do better in traditional environments, would actually feel more at home in traditional environments. You're putting them in an environment maybe they've never been exposed to, maybe they don't like, right? Because it gets them into college or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's number one, it's not great for them. Number two, it influences and changes the culture of the school right, to be, oh, well, it's all fine and good, you know, that they can run around the forest, but college. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, when are they getting their SAT scores and stuff, which is yeah, something yeah. we never used to care about. So I really hope, sincerely, that 
the fact that our grade sent a bunch of kids to really great colleges and the grade above us, and I think the current year is also going to do really well in the college process, doesn't influence the, the, the school. I think it will, unfortunately. But um, of course, it's influencing it at extreme right. rates. I mean, that that first moment of inflection when, uh, yeah, one out of every seven uh, students from the class got into Stanford. Eyeballs yep. on Nueva. Everyone was looking at other schools, saying, "Oh, Nueva is this hippie school. Who cares?" Right? And then suddenly, I think all the parents in Silicon Valley started looking at not all the parents, but a, but lot, a, a lot of yeah, them yeah. that may have kind of dismissed it before said, yeah. "Oh, wait, is that the golden?" golden ticket? Is that the school that's going to get our kids there as opposed to da 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 da? So and, and then the other problem of all the kids coming with different learning styles and you got to have the right learning styles for the kids and more right. the mentorships and and that's a, that's a very very interesting um, right. what, what you bring up and how often that happens around around the world for these schools that are that are that had the mo these moments of shining, right. and then were impacted by the collegiate, um, or running up against a system that is static, or, or is kind of these these like squatting, yeah, yeah. existing kind of traditional um, systems. Uh, you know, when that happens, you know, I think bad things happen. Yeah. That's but, that's huge. They are basically just squatting, and uh, yeah, yeah. Con yeah. Yeah. So let's get so, to yeah, yeah, going go all these tangents. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so for the house system, house system. Um, yeah. so learned a lot about kind of how to implement ideas you have and whatnot. And back to the idea that you know, when I was a freshman, there were there was us, and then there was the sophomores. What was happening when we started to become a bigger school is that we had never had upperclassmen, so we had never learned how to make cross cross grade connections beyond the fact that you know there was 200 kids in a school you're going to know everyone because you know there was like 70 kids per grade plus the teachers when we were there the first year so um, when we got our new freshman class in and we were sophomores and they were juniors I was like something feels off you know we're not really interacting with the freshmen um, and the freshmen definitely aren't interacting with the juniors because they've because the juniors have never had the experience of being real upperclassmen yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had never had the experience of being the middle child. You know, just like none of this stuff was happening yeah, right. Yeah. And when they became seniors and I became a junior, you know, I barely knew the names of the freshmen. I, I went out of my way to, but, um, you know, a lot of the seniors didn't. A lot of and even the sophomores didn't. Of them. Yeah. There's only 70 of us, yeah. right? So I was like, okay, something needs to change. And um, how I met you is through Jeremy. Yep. And Jeremy, Jeremy Yoon, son of Jun Yoon, yes. Jeremy Yoon was my buddy in the middle school. So I loved that system in the middle school and I wish we had something kind of similar to it in the high school, yeah. but I thought, oh, we could really make this exciting, we could really dress this up, and kind of my love for design and, and stuff like that came into it. And so the house system, what that means, because we, don't, we didn't live on campus, what the house system means is that one-fourth of every grade was put in, a, in one of four houses together. So 25% of each class is in a house together. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you have the banners, you can, yes, you can Ryan, show them. Yes, throw the banners up. Um, and, and so. you design these. And I designed these. So I actually designed these, cut these, sewed these by hand. They're 12 feet long with my, uh, with my aunt on <laughs> a Persian sewing machine that was breaking down like <laughs> yeah, yeah. halfway through. And we had to call my grandma and be like, wait, how what do we fix this? this? And she yeah. was like, oh, like, just do this. So we fix it. But um, that was a really fun experience with her. But I designed these. Um, to represent the different houses, so interesting. Uh, and this is how the seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen would integrate. Yes. So the idea was that 
you know, a quarter of each grade would be in each of the houses. They'd be with, uh, you know, the other grades grouped yes. like that. Yes. Then there would be families, which are two people from each grade yeah. in a family. family. So two seniors, two juniors, yes. two yes. sophomores, two freshmen. Um, so you have a couple people in each grade that you know. And then there were house meetings where the whole house would get together and you see people from yeah. all the different grades. Yeah. And then there were, um, there were like field days and like games and competitions where you would, you know, do tug of war and beanbag toss, all this stuff to try to build like kind of community in within the houses. This is um, real community. That that was the this goal. Is the model that was really that the goal. You're kind of taking as well and moving into real world now. Definitely. With which we're going to talk about. This is so cool. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of. <clears> what the are the names thing. of the four? So they're named after um, constellations. The the only one that's not named after the constellation is. Um, is Lycos, which is the wolf, Lycos. because because lupus is is wolf in Latin okay. and is the constellation, but it's also an autoimmune disease. Oh, um, so yeah, yeah. You, you just have to be careful with that's those things. Yeah. So that was the initial name, and then we realized, oh, okay, we got to change it. And that's really what you learn with this sort of stuff. Yeah, is we we made a bunch a bunch of mistakes on the rollout, you know. Um, like that, which I just didn't realize the name. We were, you know, scrambling to get the names out, and I, I didn't even look it up really because I knew what it was in Latin, and I saw yeah, it on yeah. Google Translate. I was like, okay, we're fine, and you know, it actually caused a scandal the first week that we put it out because mm -hmm. someone, someone's grandpa had it. So that was really helpful training for me to understand. You know, when you launch something, you got to be real, real mm -hmm. careful with how you do it, and you got to be real careful with the names of things and whatnot. Um, so but that then Lycos was the name of someone's dog that died, <laughs> and then they complained, and right. then you changed it to something else. So there's always there's gonna, always going to be something, yeah, yeah. and we and it was a really great experience because I we ran into a bunch of problems throughout, you know, um, of you know like the first week there people were getting really really into it, people were like howling like wolves across the the schoolyard. Oh yeah, so this one is Lycos, which is the wolf. You got um, Ursa, which is the bear. Mm -hmm. You got Aquila, which is the eagle. And you have Ceres, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is the, the stag. We, we were doing the cool. Serenian hind, but it was a little too long, so we Ceres. Um, and there's a, there was actually an interesting design challenge when we updated the brandings. Me and um, my, my, my really good friend and uh, partner and, and all these, a lot of these ventures that I've done, Ohm, um, when Ohm. we Ohm, yeah, like Ohm, Ohm like the sound Ohm. when you meditate. Ohm, Ohm. exactly. Shout out, to Ohm. Shout out to Ohm, yeah, hey Ohm. So he was um, working on a lot of. Yeah, so we cool. so we in my senior year we worked on it together. Cool. In junior year, I was working with um, with a girl in my grade named Jessa, and we we rolled this out. And then Ohm and I kind of mm -hmm. redid the branding our senior year to kind of leave it in a good place. Yeah, um, and it's still rolling. It's still rolling. Yeah, cool. um, and. We had some lieutenants that we were working with in the younger grades that are that are running it now, um, at, at the school, and I, I need to go back and check on it <laughs> to see yeah, how everything's yeah. going. This is um, such a good idea for that uh, in that inter uh, class. Right, intergenerational. Inter that, that was really the goal. The goal. Because the generation it. is now one grade. <laughs> like yeah. I know it's so right? ridiculous. Um, Micro gradient. Micro gradient. <laughs> of, yeah. <laughs> generations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, this, this was this is very cool. So yeah, this was the, the, the family that you'd get to would right. be cool because then the two seniors could mentor the two juniors, could right? To two sophomores, exactly. They could learn from what the freshmen are learning. It's very, yeah. very cool. And if I mean, if you look at the um, MIT, it's it's actually part of the inspiration of the name for Pantheon, which is the project I'm working mm -hmm. on now. But MIT um, has this this thing called MIT Pantheon. It's in their media lab where they basically look at the cultural production of 
history uh, of figures over history and they rank them based on like how many people or like which people have kind of created the most like cultural production and the top five I think it goes um, I think it's Plato, Socrates, Jesus, uh, Aristotle, Alexander the Great and if you look at those five people, what I realize is that they all have in common, besides Jesus, right? Jesus is the only one who could get in there besides these guys. These guys knew each other, right? Socrates is the mentor of Plato. Plato is the mentor of uh, Aristotle. Aristotle. Aristotle is the mentor of Alexander the Great until he was 16. Um, and Jesus, the, you know, the, probably one of the most impactful figures in history, is the only guy who can get in that, um, that chain of mentorship. Because oh that's gosh. what separates us as humans, right? You know, ants, one of them goes off a, a cliff, one of them walks the right way. It takes a whole, you know, biological generation for that, for that mistake to propagate, right? The fact that that ant doesn't have kids, or I mean, I guess ants are a bad idea because they have the, the queen. That lion, right? The fact that the, that lion's genes don't, um, don't propagate is like the learning that happens mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. right? But humans can actually stack. You know, you, you make a mistake in your life, you know, you name a, a house the wrong name. You can tell someone right then, don't make the mistake that I made. And you're stacking knowledge on top of each other, other in, yeah. in your own lifetime. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that was a big inspiration there was seeing, you know, the, f the four, four of the five most impactful people who have created the most cultural production in all of history knew each other, yeah. right? Were mentors. mentors. Um, and pass that knowledge down. Yeah, of course, Alexander the Great is going to be able to conquer my people, you know, in 30 years, because um, he knew, because yeah, he had yeah, the yeah. he had the the intergenerational knowledge from from Socrates, from Plato, from Aristotle, coming down all into him. Yeah. And you know, he never lost a battle, right? Uh, how do you do that? You don't. <laughs> the only the only the only way you do that is when you know the forefathers of modern philosophy are basically your uncles. Yes. That's the only way you do that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so that's, Damn. that's something I've, I've thought that's a huge. lot about. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that was How the house system. How can we system. get that juiciest, juiciest, cutting edge knowledge down into the minds of, of, of yeah. children as they're being born into the world? Yeah. You know, we need yeah. dumb people. Will you stop that? You know, I just don't understand what you don't understand about the whole natural selection manipulation thing. And, you know, they don't want a bunch of informed, critical thinking citizens <laughs> creating a better world. There's no money in peace, love and understanding. Knock off your shit. You know, that's kind of the problem, right? Is that there's no money in doing like the great stuff and so in uh in high school did these other two projects one of them was an app one of them was a design firm with ohm um but in college what i'm really excited about and we can pull just quick some of those designs oh yeah we have on, yeah. some of the designs um yeah i went over that quickly but but this is this is my dribble swap was first swap was first yeah that was for really quick contact info sharing so i have my phone in your pocket communication yeah basically yeah. um the idea was you know we were we were meeting all these amazing people in high school for the first time meeting all these amazing yeah. people around silicon valley and just it being super clunky Correct. to get in touch with them yeah. um so that it was kind of making that experience a little more seamless it's and then, still clunky with business cards. And it's all still that it's stuff. still clunky. We never it we is. didn't solve it. We never actually solved it. Yeah. yeah, and because we stopped the company at in sophomore year because we were like, all right, now we got to focus on college, 
right? Um, and then the thing we could do alongside, um, alongside the college process and alongside the work we were doing was freelance design work in this design firm um, with me and Ohm. So and this is your Dribble account? So this is my Dribble account. So that's a logo we made. Um, this one actually, we didn't, that one is just like a personal design. Um, but some of the other ones are ones we made for companies. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So you made some we of made these for companies. For companies. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that one's personal as well. The, uh, that, that was actually for a friend. But the... Orion Creative. Yeah, Orion Creative. Yeah, yeah that, was for, that was for a company called AccuSense. Cool, um, cool. And the idea was that we kind of had this niche market where we would get um, basically really technical founders coming out of great universities who had these amazing ideas but didn't really know how to present them yeah. to investors and stuff like that. So we'd, uh, Om and I would take those in. This is Viz, yeah, this is a company, I think they're actually doing really great now. And that logo's up on their website and everything. Um, Kofa, their um, security company. Allocate, uh, we really love that one. Uh, really great company to work with. And those, those were a lot of fun because you know they would come in with nothing Right, they come you in with as like sixteen. Yeah, I think we were. 17. I think we were sixteen. 16, yeah, sixteen. Sixteen-year-olds were were designing the logos and decks for the yeah the big uh, pit, the pitches. Yeah, the pitches for the, we the had we had one at Y Combinator. Yeah, uh, or a couple at Y Combinator. We had um, we our Viz deck went in front of the FDA because they had to get FDA approval and stuff like that. Damn, it's all so, it's all about these the stimuli at young ages because then this is why you get certain kids that are right. making the designs and doing the you know competitions and and all this other kind of great great Absolutely. stuff and versus ones that are. Yeah, that haven't gotten the right nutrients. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so love for design that that kind of persisted throughout um, throughout my life, and having the amazing partner um, of Ohm working on this stuff with him has just been amazing because uh, we kind of handle different parts of the process, and it's. And I, I think that's also another thing I would say. You know, mentorship is super important, um, but also having kind of collaborators to work on things with and have someone to bounce ideas off of, because totally. And we always say this to each other um, because you know now we're in college and we have to call and stuff like that. But uh, you know our best ideas come when we're talking to each other. You know I'll I'll have an idea or he'll have an idea, but it's only really when the other person hears it and is able to say, oh, that reminds me this or that, that it yeah, really yeah. goes to the next level of being something amazing. You have to have a good tennis player on the other side because exactly. if you're if, you, if it's just mundane convo, it's not going to be a good round of right. idea tennis. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm working with him on, on the new projects that we're working on. and With um, Ohm still. With Ohm still and okay. with, with, uh, with one of my, a couple other of my really good friends who are kind of specialized in different, um, different fields. And you did some neuroscience work with CMU. And did some neuroscience work. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was really interested in human-computer interaction. So yeah. um, kind of the way that we're interacting with technology. And I, I thought about it a lot and I was like, all right, I think the way this is going is that brain-computer interfaces are going to be kind of the thing. So I wanted to really understand that. So I went to CMU, which is where they're doing some of the like really cutting-edge stuff. Um, they tried to get the PI I was working with for Neuralink, for Elon Musk's mm -hmm. Neuralink. And he was like, I'm just going to stay and really work on this thing myself. So he, really incredible guy, Mason Chemanzar, Persian guy at uh, CMU in the Department of Electrical Engineering, I think. And they were doing these probes for, yeah. for brain stimulation and recording. And that really... You know, I went there, um, I said, I emailed him, I said, hey, I'm, I do a bunch of design stuff, 
I, it looks like you're doing a grant proposal. I can do the diagrams for your grant proposal. I don't, I, I'm okay at biology. I mean, I don't really have any formal training in it, but uh, I just want to come and learn from you guys. But I'll do design for you. That's what I'll give and, and you can help teach me about this. Mm -hmm. And so I went there and I designed their diagrams so um, cool. for yeah. their grant proposal, yeah. which they uh, sent to the National Science Foundation. And I think they, they got it. They got like, you know, a lot of money for it, um, which was really, really cool. Um, and that kind of goes back to you know taking the complex idea and yeah, making yeah. it something Relatable. something simpler. Yeah. But kind of got. Um, Ryan, you okay if we uh, chat a little longer? You're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> Am down? I okay? Am you I down? okay with that? You down? You got any money? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you put you a got, tip jar. You got any money? Where's yeah. my tip jar? Put a tip jar. Where's my down? tip jar? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Keep 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 rolling. Let's, yeah. Let's let's um. Let's let's go to um, you know you're 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 speaking on uh, you know you're doing the designs and mm -hmm. the designs were going um, yeah. got a grant proposal which is very yeah. exciting and so you learned a lot about you know neuroscience BCIs and BCIs, BCIs, which got, is great. got kind of freaked out honestly because I was like whoa this this is actually could be real scary you know if we actually get this stuff to work you're not even living in the real world anymore this isn't even a VR headset this is like you know complete simulation right this is this is your I mean this is your brain in there getting stimulation not from the world so yeah. I was like we're getting into some really weird territory so I actually got really kind of scared yeah, yeah. and turned off from a lot of those ideas that I think um, a lot of people are really fascinated with about oh you know full simulation full brain computer interface I was I actually seeing it in person and seeing kind of some of the tests they're doing with rats and the rats were living in completely different reality you know, thinking it's hot when it's not hot, thinking they're supposed to run in circles, all sorts of crazy stuff. I was like, okay, this is this is not where I want to yeah. be going. I think I want to operate in the real world with real people and stuff like that. So a lot of my focus changed to to stuff like the house system, like real systems, like physical systems of people, like kind of these human operating systems that can lead to kind of these these amazing experiences that I was able to experience growing up um, and really expanding that for, for a lot of other people. So that's, the, that's kind of the major project I'm working on now with Omen and with my other friends. Um, it, it's, the Pantheon is the collective of people working on this stuff. So um, that's like, you know, me, Omen, my friend Jeremy, and some of my other how, friends. How does what you made with the house system at Nueva School, how does that how does that become pantheon in the real world? How does how does you know me as someone that's twenty six um, have a little family with someone that's twenty four, that's twenty two, that's twenty? You know how do we have that? Right. How do we all mentor each other? Yeah. So so the idea so the the basic um, the basic like pitch if you will behind the big idea behind the pantheon is 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 that thing that culture is getting pulled apart and that. Um, you know, we are going into college, we're gonna leave college, and then what are we gonna be chasing, right? We're gonna be chasing money, we're gonna be chasing status, and we're gonna be chasing comfort, or that's at least what we're kind of incentivized to chase, and what a lot of other people around us are chasing, right? Um, the problem with those three things is that they plateau, right? You get to a certain level of income, you get to a certain level of comfort, you get to a certain level um, of status, and this is after your basic needs are met, of course, and you get to those levels and you realize, you know, it's not actually that much better to go from a small boat to a big boat. It's not that much different to go from a nice house to a mansion, you know, to da 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 Those things, you know, they, they make you real excited the first year, the second year, 
third year, fourth year? Are you still getting the same fulfillment, right? Um, you got to understand, though, Ari. You're, that's a great attitude, but it's we have to wait f- for people to kind of possibly just, you know, die off. There's a lot of people that just don't. Have, you know, they want to just keep going and get more and right. get a bigger boat. So you, thank you so much for realizing that it just doesn't work that way. That's not in our best interest. We're destroying the planet. We're right. destroying each other. Right. So keep up the good work again. <laughs> the, the world is counting on you. Well, how do you get sustained meaning? So, so how do you get sustained meaning? That's sustained the question. fulfillment. Right. So if the, if the curve is plateauing, if the curve of fulfillment is plateauing from these other means, and I think people know this. I, I really think it's only a couple people kind of at the top who want this thing to keep going. I think kids my age, kids going to college, you know, people your age, people older yeah, than yeah, you, yeah. they're not like saying, oh yeah, this is working great for me. I'm feeling super satisfied with my life right now and I'm going to fight tooth and nail until it goes away. You know, they're, they're saying, I want to live a good life. I want to, you know, yeah, exist yeah. and have kids and and you know, eat good food and yeah. have a nice time, watch a couple of Netflix shows. You know, people aren't trying to break, put a hole in the system and then end up in anarchy. Like, so you need, I think, a new model as opposed to just saying the current model sucks. Yeah, I think course, a lot of people of over history have Innovate. said the current model yeah. sucks. But we're Innovate. trying to make a new model and nobody's buying it. We're trying I, to do it in legislation and people got their head rammed so far up their ass. I agree. We're waiting for leaders to get us out of this mess. And so I think that's why you, you, can't, you can't wait for those people to do it. And that's why we're trying to do it ourselves. So the idea is that um, the things that really do fulfill people um, are autonomy, having a, uh, autonomy, which is having the ability to do what you want to do and kind of um, have kind of variation in your life. You know, people are in these little commute circles where they wake up, they get in the train, they get to work, they come home, seeing the same four people. Yeah. It's really not that interesting. You don't have that much autonomy to break out of it. You, new exhibit opens at the Natural History Museum. I love Natural History yeah. Museums. Yeah. Want to go see it? Yeah. You know, my, my partner's going to be like, what are you doing? You're going to leave me and the kids at home yeah. to go see a Natural History Museum, right? That's not how it works, yeah. right? But um, go as a family. But yeah. you live. But you live in a community, and it, it's different. So I'll get to that. Yeah, so autonomy yeah. is really important. Having a purpose, something that gets you up in the morning, is really exciting. Um, that that's really important. Having mastery, being good at a skill, yeah. is really important. Um, some of the happiest people around me are people that have a really good skill. My correct. My friend Om, incredible designer. Right. Yeah. You can. He can always fall back on that skill. No matter what happens, yeah. he's always going to have that. Uh, my friend Jeremy, incredible mechanical engineer. Right. He knows. He has an idea, he can get down to it, get in the shop, you know, in a couple of days have something working. Same thing with Ohm, and that's incredibly, deeply, deeply, deeply fulfilling, as yeah. opposed to people who have never been um, encouraged to follow something that interests them, right. have yeah. been told that that won't get you into college, or that won't help you in life, or whatever. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would look and tell, tell Ohm or Jeremy, you know, why are you, because these stuff start when you're a kid. That's right. right. This That's stuff right. starts when Ohm's sitting there sketching stuff or Jeremy's, you know, tinkering with stuff. It's the parent letting them do that or the teachers letting them yeah. do that or fostering that or say, oh, have you heard about this or have you heard about that and bring them along that path. And having mastery, that's the third thing. So autonomy, purpose, and having mastery is so, so, so crucial to fulfillment yeah. um, because it allows you to actually achieve your purpose. A lot of people have purposes, right? A lot of people 
don't have the mastery required to achieve that purpose, and that's, and that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So autonomy, purpose, mastery, and the last two things which are equally important. It's interesting that someone can get purpose, find, seek something that brings them meaning, but then they, the, this mastery, the, the skill sets, the means to get to that purpose. It doesn't uh, exist. In, that's that's incredibly dissatisfying, and that can yeah. almost be worse than not having a purpose, because you have a purpose, you're really passionate about a cause, and you don't know how to do anything about it. Terribly, terribly, terribly um, demoralizing. Gives you a feeling of helplessness. It's really bad. So having the mastery along with the purpose is, is really crucial. Yeah. And then the fourth thing, belonging. Feeling yeah. like you're part of a community. Feeling that people love you and appreciate you, not just because of the work that you produce or the SAT scores that you produce um, or you know the grades that you get, but really can look you in the eyes and to say, I love you, I accept you. Um, kind of unconditionally, and that's that's a real sense of belonging, um, and that's really important for people. I think a lot of people today feel like they're commodified um, on Instagram for their looks, for the places they've been, for the things they've done. I think people just want to, <sighs> at the end of the day, be loved, right, and just be seen, um, and that's a true sense of belonging. And that doesn't take 500 followers. That doesn't no. take 10,000 followers, no. right? It doesn't take any number of followers. That takes one, one person. person. That takes two people. That takes five people yeah. that are around you um, that you can always fall back on um, and you know that's not kind of where we're going with these social media systems that are incentivizing you to get a ton of followers that don't care about you right it's it's really about those close connections so belonging and the last one gratitude you you know you have that up on your wall right there and it's true you can you can have all these things you can have everything you want in the world but if you don't sit down and look around you and say you know I'm so thankful to be here I'm so thankful for the people who have got me here, for the opportunity. You know, even me sitting here, you know, I'm incredibly grateful to be able to even talk about these stories and have my mom have taken me to all these places and have, you know, amazing um, brothers and friends like Owen and Jeremy who have been there for me and nurtured me. Um, and, you know, to have met you and to be able to talk about these experiences, is, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, and that's incredibly fulfilling, right? It's incredibly fulfilling. Um, there's an effect called the doubling effect. Uh, when I look at my hand, I think it's part 17 of the optical cortex that's being fired. If I close my eyes, if I think about my hand, it's part 17 of the optical cortex being fired at a lesser capacity, but it's being fired. The idea is um, you experience a beautiful moment, certain things are happening in your mind, you think about it later, you journal about it, you write it down, you think about it, same feelings are being fired. So you're doubling the happiness you got from that. Mm. That's twice the amount of happiness that you're already having just because of gratitude, mm. right? Mm. That's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly fulfilling. Yeah. So those are kind of the five, um, the five pillars. You have autonomy, you have purpose, you have mastery, you have belonging, and then you have gratitude. And then so the question is, what does a life look like that's based on those principles? Um, the solution that kind of we've come up with at this time, and we're doing a lot of validation of it, we're going to be trying to test it out. The idea um, is that you make a community of real people, not, not digitally. You get up to 150 people in one, um, in one space. And that's because 150 people is Dunbar, the, yeah. is the is, is there a name for Dunbar it? Dunbar number, yeah. Dunbar number? Dunbar. Dunbar yeah. number, yeah. yeah. So um, the Dunbar number, archaeologists have seen this when looking at Paleolithic communities. Um, colonialists saw this when they encountered hunter-gatherers in the 1800s, that the bands were about 150. Um, modern analyses of the human neocortex have shown that you can only keep track of about 150 people on a deep level. So that's kind of our, our number. That's as far as we want to make your immediate community to be. So get 150 people in a, in a, in a basically in a house, like, I mean in a big 
community thing. We don't really have spaces that look like this. So you say a house, people are like, oh, that's super cramped. It's not a house. It's more, it would have to be designed differently. The built that summer of love hippie shit, though, that they just try to, uh, you know, they did their best to get rid of that, and they did. It is, it is. And I think Charlie Manson took care of that shit. The, the problem is, is I think they did it a little unrealistically in the way that they did it. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why. Because they isolated themselves from the rest of society. And I think we oh, can't do that yeah, this totes. time. Yes, we yes. can't do that this time. You can't build this in the middle of nowhere. No. At, yeah, this is like... This is in the middle of Silicon Valley. This is like 150, 150, 150, 150. It all sells. Kind of, it yeah. sells, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually call it the atomic system. Because 150 people um, is the atom. Then you mm. put multiple atoms next to each other, you get a molecule. Yeah. Put multiple molecules next to each other, you get a cell. You put multiple cells next to each other, you get an organism. Things based on nature usually work out you know, the best, and we're kind of going with that model. So the idea is that you have 150 people in this space, and you might be like, wait, the old style community? How does that give you autonomy, right? Don't you have all these obligations that you wouldn't have as an individual? It's actually a little bit different than that, because like I said, when you're in a nuclear family, so much is resting on your shoulders. You're the breadwinner. Right? You're the parent, you're the mentor of the kid, you're the enforcer, right? You're the playmate. You're everything for this kid. You're everything for your partner. You're everything for the household, right? There's this enormous weight on your shoulders. Um, and when you're in a community, you have other kids that can be the playmates of the kids, you have other parents that can be the mentors of the kids, you have other people that can be stepping in. Beta Beta two sigma, what is it? Uh, yeah, bloom two sigma. Bloom two sigma, yeah, right? Yeah. You have these other people um, doing those things. Yeah, and I could, the communal. The communal impact. Taking care of each other, yeah. taking a little bit of the burden Absolutely. Um, off. This is, this is very cool. Um, auto autonomy. Autonomy, purpose, purpose mastery, mastery. Belonging, gratitude. Belonging, gratitude. Man, those just couple lines of code embedded into everywhere around the world would be great. Yeah. Yeah, and just making a social fabric that can handle that, right. those five, and right. how, how, how do you envision the implementation of the Pantheon into the, you know, because you have to enter new code yeah. into the old into code, the old code and then yeah. make people, you know, move, yeah, um, and to want to move into the, yeah, so, the new code. Uh, and you know, there, I could go into detail about kind of a lot of the interior systems we've thought about of how do you educate kids in this system, how do you work in this system. We have a um, system called the Amplify Team system that is, is how we do work and I could, I, you know, I could talk forever about this stuff and I'm really excited because... Yeah, and Alan would talk to you forever. Yeah, yeah sure. So, so I won't yeah, go into great. that. Yeah, I got so to go see John. I got to meet John Bennett. He's playing at Martini's. He's, a, yeah, he's an inspiring author. Well, that's why he got all dressed yeah. up. Are you going to put your disco shoes on what tonight? No, I'm not. I'm just going down. <laughs> I'm like, my friend um, there. So I won't go into all that. Hopefully we'll have all that stuff online at some point. Okay, um, online and we can put a link in the bio we when can, that's done. Yeah. And then um, where would you want to do a first, uh, I, wanna, I wanna unpack that with you at, a, yeah. at another show we, Yeah, another we could time. do another show. But um, yeah. So basically this summer we're doing the, the test run of it. So um, we're, gonna, we're gonna go out into the world, we're gonna go to some of the blue zones. Um, what does that mean? Uh, blue zones are the places where people live the longest they're, they're oh, like five pockets like around Okinawa. the world. Yeah, Okinawa. Yeah. Um, there's one in Sardinia, there's one in Greece. We're Sardinia, thinking of, of course, going yeah, to yeah. Um, some of these places, hands-on, kind of the design thinking model of user testing, right? talking to people, learning, interviewing them, documenting this process, real, doing, trying to do real research 
on what's yeah. making these people's lives so fulfilling to validate our assumptions that those five things are really important. Um, because those are, you know, I didn't pull those oh, yeah. out of nowhere. I, totally. I, that's books and studies yeah. and stuff that yeah. we've collated yes. or, you know, um, coalesced. Yeah, yeah. coalesced. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we want to also get some hands-on experiential beautiful. testimonial yes. stuff. Yes. And then um, do that for a couple of weeks, out, really out in the world. Then come sit down and say, uh, so how are we going to edit our existing model that we've thought of? How are we going to adapt it to the number of people that we have or the constraints that we have this summer? Making a prototype and then running that probably in Silicon Valley in a house um, with the people that we can gather this summer who are excited about the idea and testing it and documenting, um, documenting how it goes, documenting if we do feel that sense of belonging, if we do feel that sense of autonomy, um, and really trying to be honest with ourselves about it. Because if we're wrong, we yeah. don't want to live in we that society. Correct. Right? So trying to be as honest as we can about that process. That reminds um, us a lot about what we were learning from exactly. June, Jeremy, and Conrad exactly. about interdependent capitalism. A lot of the a lot of that strengthening of the social fabric, the inclusive fitness, the inclusive stakeholding of communities yeah. with each other is a lot of what Sardinia, Okinawa, um, and right. I feel like propagating that more around the world right. um, is, is a fantastic, fantastic yeah. idea and just will help so much with a lot of the ailments that we see developing exactly. right now. Yeah. So prototyping it this summer and working on um, our own kind of like startup projects that are kind of social impact minded um, during that time and those kind of being able to generate capital for the future, um, for future things. Um, so the panel is kind of this holding company. We have kind of these ventures that we're doing, but we're also yeah. prototyping these communities. The ventures, um, you know, provide resources to make the community run. So this summer you hope to do this, the after research to do the to to live live in in a Silicon prototype Valley prototype prototype community, okay, um, and then work on an actual business that's like kind of unrelated, Great. but that yes. can provide funds that to do that. Great, and, and we then, would like to cover that. Yeah, so let's yeah, yeah that so would be let's that would cover be cover how that's going. That'd be great. Let's cover the research that you did. That'd summer. be fantastic. Yeah, and then you know if, if that works or if it doesn't work, regrouping from that and then testing out things over the next few summers, and then when we're out of college. You know, doing it, doing it for an extended period of time, not just a summer, yeah. but um, but you know, seeing if we can do it for a year, two years, depending on the model that we've created. I'm sure it'll be different by that time because we'll have learned so much um, from our own yeah. experience and from the experience of others. But that's yeah. how we do it in the real world: is we we actually physically make the community. Um, and there are a lot of people I've talked to at Stanford who are excited about the idea. There are a lot of um, friends, you know, around the world and around the U.S. that are excited about the idea. So we just really need to validate it. We really need to say, "Yep, this actually works." Uh, and then I think other people will be ready to make the jump totally. uh, and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I could do something else with my summer or I still can be an intern at wherever during the summer, but I'm going to live in this community as opposed to my own apartment. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt this model. And that's the idea is that it's not like a business, it's not a company or anything. It's just like a framework for how to live. And if we're yeah. able to validate yeah. it, yes. then people can take yes. it and kind of put their own spins on Correct. it. Correct. And, and that's, that's a very crucial part, taking the framework and being able to deploy it wherever, wherever. already right. around the world. Yeah. Bangladesh, you know, yes. Japan, yes. Uh, Syria, any, I mean, anywhere you want to do it. Yes. It's, hopefully it's malleable enough that, that it those people, that. Yeah. it can adapt to their religion, their yes, um, yes. way of life, their resources on hand. Yes, yes. 
Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I, I'm really excited to follow up on that. I mean, we, we have a ton more to talk about we didn't, that we didn't get to. Um, we, we do have to, yes. um, to we, we'll, 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 we'll have to save that, um, um, especially um, uh, um, Ishmael. I'm, yes. I, I'm, I, that, yes. That's a very exciting um, book that I think you and I were having a great, great uh, conversation about slowing down and really thinking about every seed that is being born into the world and giving them giving that the right nutrients to right. flower right. Um, and that's why we see this paper airplane that's kind of like instead of a very robust one right <laughs> yeah very quick exactly. and some people propose that those are the challenges that is kind of the anyway <laughs> we get into that and we can still get into all the little microgradients right. of the of the um, generations generations which is so interesting too and what's happening so we'll have to have you back on to explore all that are you on the way out um, you know obviously this is an image a beautiful image of the (laughs) cosmos so we are going to ask you do you think we are alone in the cosmos um maybe yeah I think maybe I think there's a good chance that the great filter is what we're going through right now. Um, and that if we don't adapt, if we don't free culture from the place that's being torn in, that that's a fundamental axiom of what happens when civilizations think they're better than the circle of life, think they're better than the earth, and it kills them. Um, so I think if we don't adapt, yep, we're, we're gonna, we're definitely, you know, not gonna not gonna be showing ourselves to other civilizations and maybe that's what's happened before as they when you get to a certain level of technological evolution you can't overcome you know the basic biological stuff and it pulls you apart so maybe that's a great filter i mean of course we're we're in the tiny arm of the galaxy so we wouldn't really be close to the cultural center anyways but for my argument yes we are alone yeah yeah the Fermi filter is such a fascinating conversation that we'll uh, talk about more. Yeah. All right. Next question. Mm-hmm. This is simulation, so we must ask you: Are we in a simulation? Is is it okay to say it doesn't matter if we are? Please explain. Because I think obviously the name of the show is the simulation, and I absolutely love the work you guys are doing here. So I'm not going to attack the concept of do we live in a simulation. Oh, in the, and that's not even um, the central thesis of why right. the show is called it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, people like to like really get down and think about are we in a simulation? I just think the implications of it aren't that relevant. Like there are people dying in the world. There are people depressed and anxious and deeply hurt and, you know, lonely in the world. And I think that's a much more interesting problem to tackle is like what's happening to us in the simulation regardless of it's a simulation or not you know we're not doing too well so how do we how do we work on that so I think you still don't know if everything outside of you is real though that's true yeah maybe I need to reflect on myself and think what about he's telling this you is it doesn't matter just try to yeah. do something get in the pit and try that's, to that's love the someone that's here. the idea try to love yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> Try and make the world a better place. That's yeah, because right. exactly. You level up, period. Yeah. No matter what, right. level up. You know, make the world better no matter what. Yeah, yeah. simulation or not, you know, yeah. this is what we have. So, yeah. so level the hell up. So let's, let's Okay, go. last question. 
what is the most beautiful thing in the world? What is the most beautiful thing in the world? The love of a mother. Yeah. Hands down. And on every level, right? I mean that like, like homo sapiens, like my mom, mm -hmm. but I also mean like Mother Earth, right? Yeah. Not to get too, too out there, but... Well, you had a pretty dope mother, you know. <laughs> you were talking about her earlier. Yeah. She was quite My dad's mentor. a baller, too. Don't forget my yeah, dad. I love, yeah, my, dad. I love right. my dad, too. Yeah, Marvin Gaye got okay. shot when he just thanked his mother. His dad shot him, like, the next day. <laughs> Did you, were you aware of that? Do you know who Marvin Gaye I do, is? Right? Yeah, Let's get it on. sure. He thanked yeah. his mother, and then his father shot him dead. I, I can do a whole other talk show on my dad. I love my dad. Yeah, yeah my I can do a whole amazing. other talk show on my dad. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, m mother, uh, then Mother Earth, and yeah, I mean yeah. just the gift of life the gift in general. Of life, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. You know, I love, I love smart young people. <laughs> I love it. It gives us so much. Like yourself. I mean, you're only a couple <laughs> years old. I'm so young. <laughs> Ronnie, I you just call me young. Hey, that's good. That's good news. <laughs> that's good news. Yeah, and I thought that, uh, and I thought that, yeah. But there's, there's something very, very special about, you know, hearing you speak this way. It's Thank so, you. so special. And... I think with more opportunities for young people to travel, to do things like Nueva School, to do things like that you were learning Absolutely. There, I think, and with this really strong multidisciplinary deep time perspective on, on reality, I think um, we're in good hands. As, yeah, as long as we can spread that out to more and more young right. people that are being born. That's what, I mean, that's what this show is doing. Yeah, really yeah, to proliferate those ideas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, need, we, we need to get these writings up online and that's get right, that stuff right, out there. So. That's right. This has been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I, I've, I've yeah. loved having you unleash yourself on this program. It's Thank been, you. It's Thank you for giving beautiful. me the, the ability to on the platform. Beautiful. Too. Beautiful. 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 Um, yeah. As we were saying with Cassandra, we, we are adopting you. Please. Yeah. You are, you are officially <laughs> more being, mentors. Uh, yeah. You're being adopted. We are, you know, your students as well. So yeah, that's Thank absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We love that you've been with us this long. We would love to hear from you in the comments below. Please let us know your thoughts. Have more conversations with people around you about the conversations that we were having. And add your own spin and taste to them. Huge shout out to Ron Vargas for producing <laughs> and directing. We love you so much, Ronnie. And support the artists and entrepreneurs that you believe in, everyone. You know, Ari's links are below, our links are below. Support us. Help people manifest their dreams into the world. Manifest your own dreams into the world. Go build, go create. We love you so very much. Thank you for tuning in. Build the future. Peace. <laughs>